Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why did God design sexuality this way? I have no idea. You know, God could have designed us like amoebas. So, there's another one, whatever. If that would have happened, we wouldn't be having this talk. It'd be all over. Be done. It'd be simple. But he designed us with uh, sexuality and sexual parts that are very different, but that fit together perfectly. Why did he do it? I'll tell you why. Because he loved us. There's a lot of interest in sex these days. It seems, though, that people are treating it as a more of a recreational activity than being what God intended it to be, the glue that helps hold a marriage together. Pastor Mark will be teaching about sex from God's viewpoint today. You'll hear about mankind's attempts to elevate sexual activity while actually ending up dragging it through the mud. Today's teaching will help you see how special God made sex to be and its role in helping couples remember that they're a team. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 13 as he begins his message, Sex Inside and Outside of Marriage. You can turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 13. Let me just set the record straight as we get ready to teach. If you have a child under 10, you probably don't want them here for sure. If they're between 10 and 11 and 12, this is going to be on biblical sexuality. Many of the terms will use you can determine as a parent whether you want your child in here or not. Of course, if you're unsure, then you can just sneak, go right on home and get the tape later for yourself because we don't want to offend anybody, but um, we believe it's necessary to teach what the Bible teaches. Second, as we go through our teaching, understand there isn't anybody here that's perfect. Never has been, never will be. We're all sinners saved by grace. So our goal is always to restore people. It reminded me so much today. I was listening on the way to an appointment, somebody on Reach FM, and they were talking about one of the verses I'm actually going to use, and they had a caller call in. And the caller called in and made the perfect statement. But his whole statement was like in anger. Tell those people they're going to hell if they're like that. And it was, when I heard it, I went, you're exactly right, but you didn't say it the way Jesus would ever say it. I just want to remind you, as we go through some things, there's three keys I'm going to give you. The third one is pretty serious, but it's all about being restored. That's why this is talked about. 
came across a few websites, and this is an actual website from a mom, nobody in our body. I don't even know where the individual's from. Here's what she says. I recently discovered that my teenage son has been sexually active. That is only part of the equation, though. I also have found out that a group of his friends and himself play a couple of games with other teens that involve touching each other, but not actually intercourse. Now, we have raised our son in a Christian home with Christian values. We ourselves as parents are, she says, by no means perfect ourselves. But as a Christian parent, how do I confront and share and teach my teenage son about these sexual areas? Well, the first thing I would say, and I'm not sure because of the background, it's a little late. If this is the first time at 16 this teenager has been talked to about sexuality, it's a little late. Better late than never. And so that's why we're going to do what the Scripture says for us to do. And I think it's important for those of you that are parents here, this certainly isn't only for parents and teenagers. This is going to be for all of us. By the way, let me ask you a question. How many of you got here because of sex? (laughs) If some of the people around you are unsure of that, we have a huge problem. (laughs) What did he say, Elma? Okay. So we all got here the same way, correct? Now, understand this. I heard somebody say it this week, a pastor, and I thought it was classy. Why did God design sexuality this way? I have no idea. You know, God could have designed us like amoebas. So, there's another one, whatever. If that would have happened, we wouldn't be having this talk. It'd be all over. Be done. It'd be simple. But he designed us with... uh, Sexuality and sexual parts that are very different, but that fit together perfectly. Why did he do it? I'll tell you why. Because he loved us. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, we're picking it up in a verse. We've been moving right through Hebrews, so we're not just trying to find a verse and pick it out of context. Understand this context. Paul is writing to a group of Jewish people who became Christians who live in Italy. I believe it's Paul. It could be another writer. We don't know the writer of Hebrews. But he's been going through and teaching about Jesus. All through, Jesus is better than the Old Testament. And then in chapter 13, we have five qualities of a Christ follower. We picked up three of those, and we begin with this fourth quality. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. This next hour of teaching will come from this verse. New Living Translation. Give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. 
God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. The New King James. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators, we'll talk about that word later, and adulterers, God will judge. So the writer of the Hebrews is speaking about two terms, marriage and sexuality. Now, we don't have to speculate about marriage and about our sexuality. We don't have to kind of think like, well, what should we do? What, how do you control it? How is it to be ruled? What is marriage? How does it work? We don't have to speculate because we have in the Bible the revelation of God. It covers everything from A to Z. That's why I'm so comfortable just teaching the Word of God. These are not my words. This is God who created you, and it's no different than the next one that we'll talk about is to be content with what you have and watch your money. Well, do we have to wonder what to do with money? No, God tells us exactly how to handle it, where it came from, how much to give back to Him, how to handle it, how to be generous with it to other people, how to have a budget. All of that is in the Bible. So what we're after is the truth about marriage and the truth about sexuality. Now, why would Paul write a verse about marriage and sexuality in this chapter? Well, because he was writing to a group of people. In those days, there were two main groups of people that weren't believers, but were in the world around these people. And you understand that our world that we live in affects us. We're to be in the world and we're to be light and salt, but very often the world actually dilutes us. This door is going to represent marriage, it's going to represent our home, it's going to represent you. But we don't live in our homes all the time like this. We live in the world. So when you come out in the world, the world has a way to squeeze us into its way of thinking. And by and large, not everything, but by and large, the world doesn't tell us truth. The world lies to us. The reason is, Satan is the ruler of the world. But where do most people get their truth from? From the world, from the magazines, from Oprah, from all of the Playboy. All of these things impact us. This is no different in those days. There were two groups of people. First group of people in those days were ascetics. That word ascetic simply means this. Someone who despised marriage. This happened to be in the church, amazingly, and of course outside the church as well. But there were many in the church in those days who despised marriage. They despised sexuality. And they said this. If you're not ever involved sexually, you're much more worthy and you're much more valuable to God. Some people in the church in those days went so far as to castrate themselves. Origen, one of the early church fathers, castrated himself because he said, I don't want anything to do with the sexuality. I can't be a Christian with it. It's not a godly thing. Even Martin Luther, great, great man of God, some of his doctrine was wrong. 
He said sex was only to have children. It was a necessity. You never enjoyed it. It wasn't anything that God gave to enjoy. He's totally wrong. Martin Luther. So you had that group of people that said in the church, well, don't get married. Definitely never have sex because you can be a much more holy Christian if you don't move into that area. Well, obviously wrong. Hebrews in this one verse says, no, you're wrong. Marriage is honorable. Second, we had the opposites of those people in those days, the liberals. Many in those days, as today, saw marriage as irrelevant. It's not needed. And they just pursued their sexuality with zero restraints. Anything goes, i.e., pretty much the Playboy generation. Hugh Hefner, that whole generation has come. Everything goes. So on the one side, you have these people over here say, sex is dirty, wrong, uh, isn't a gift from God, it's horrible, don't even be part of it. Over here, as another group of people says, hey, sex is great, has nothing to do with God, just do whatever you want to do. Marriage, not needed, just go out and do it. So you have both of these, both of those are wrong. Do we have both of those today? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Now, really, in our country, we don't have too many of the people that are into the other area that sex is nasty and dirty and wrong. We praise God through the church. We've come through that. But we do have the opposite side, and that's all around us. So it's no different. Let me give an example of how that works. If you watch TV at all, you have to be very careful with TV. You kind of know this is a new program that's out. It's called Swingtown, CBS. Very, very popular new program. Okay, what's it about? It traces the generations of friends and neighbors as they forge intimate connections and explore new sexual freedoms. So this whole program is about swinging. It's not swing dancing, it's swinging. And what does that mean? Couples get together, they live in the same neighborhood, and they just change partners during the night and have different partners, and they stay married, everything's fine, we have a little variety to our life. Now, let me give you a quote that Paul says, marriage is honorable. Is this honorable? I mean, even with our right concept, you know this isn't honorable. I was saying to my wife and some of the pastors today in our staff meeting, I rarely ever watch Oprah, except that there's a health thing on, and I like Dr. Oz, because he's pretty good. But I went the other day and looked at my DVR, and some, somehow a program on Oprah got taped. I have no idea. I never tape Oprah. So I said, what's this all about? My wife didn't. My son was here this weekend. He didn't. I had no idea. So I owned it. It was all about sexuality. So God put it on my DVR, whatever. (laughs) We began to watch it. Here's some things I heard as we watched it. One of the ladies was a counselor. And she says this. When a married couple comes to me and they're having trouble sexually, I prescribe pornography for them. And even then, Oprah went, well, how do I reconcile that? Because most of our shows where we've talked about pornography, it's bad, ruins our kids, abuses little children. You prescribe it? She says, yes. Then they had another couple on. Well, in between that, there was a bunch of ladies. One lady specifically came and said, I'm having the best sex of my whole life. And Oprah said, well, why did that happen? She was, I guess, maybe late 50s, early 60s. And she said this, first I got a divorce, 
Now I'm not married, and I've just been committed with lots of different people. And it's the greatest lifestyle in all the world. Well, see, we have millions of people listening going, okay, this is good. This gives me license to do what I want to do. Third, we had a couple come. They sat there. They're in love. They showed the home. They showed the kids. They said they're committed to each other. And Oprah had them on, and they said, well, what's different about your relationship? She says, well, I have a friend. It's actually a mutual friend of all of us, and husband and wife, and they're there on the show. And I said to my husband, because I was a virgin when I married him, wonder what it would be like to be with another man. And she said, we've been married a number of years. We have kids. We have the, we're committed to each other for life. And my husband says, well, whatever. And she says, what if I develop a relationship with this close friend of ours, this man who is in a relationship, not marriage, but with somebody else? What if I develop a relationship? Would it bother you? He said, no. So Oprah's going. And the counselor's actually going. So she said, well, how does it work? She says, well, we'll invite this close friend of ours, another male over, and my husband and I and him will watch TV. And when the program's over, the movie that we rented is over, he and I go into our guest bedroom, my wife go, and my husband goes to his bedroom and goes to bed. Now, guys, this is sick. This is destroying our world. And she says, everything's fine. And Lynn and I thought, the little kids are watching this. So understand the world is speaking to us all the time. Now, what does it mean to give honor? The Greek word means weighty. It means the idea of loving a person and respecting them. So here's the first of three things I'm going to give you. Number one, respect God's gift of marriage. How do I do that? I want to be heterosexual and monogamous for life. Genesis 2.24 says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So this door represents a home, a marriage. Inside here is the foundation of society, the home. This is your front door. The home is the foundation of society. Everything God designed, he designed to revolve around the home. Inside the home, one man and one woman for life. By the way, they were naked. And there was no shame. They were naked behind the closed door. Do you got it? Not in the open. Nothing wrong with nudity. God developed our bodies to be that way, to be sexually attractive to one another. You say, well, Pastor Mark, yeah, that's cool, but that's like Old Testament. Well, Jesus in Matthew 19 says this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Notice, this is the definition of marriage. And the two will become 
one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So Jesus reaffirmed the definition of marriage. It's not the definition that the world will give us, but it is the definition that God gave us. It was defined thousands and thousands of years ago. Jesus redefined it 2,000 years ago. And one of the lies you'll hear today is marriage is outdated. That is incorrect. That is not truth. So you're going to hear me talk about truth and lies. Marriage is not outdated. Now, why do we have lies? Satan, John 8 says, is the father of lies. Satan hates the home. He hates it because he knows from here, if parents love God and do their job right and raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that just spreads like wildfire and infects the world. Satan hates it. By the way, that's what we're doing in our churches with our kids' ministry, and with adults learning about marriage and all the rest of the things. That's what we're doing. We're infecting, in a good way, our society. It needs to be infected. And God's helping us do that. So let me give you some common lies. You don't have time to write them down. I have to go too fast. Just think about this. These are lies that you hear. There's many more, but these are lies you'll hear. Marriage and sexual purity, outdated. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I don't do that to make fun of a former president, but that is a huge lie. What is behind the lie? Our world says, we'll talk about it later, oral sex is not sex. That's wrong. That's 100% wrong. Next lie. I was born this way. Everybody is doing it. How can you know you are sexually compatible unless you first live together? You know what I mean? It's amazing to me. Any couple that says that never had biology 101. The parts fit. I won't dwell on that. We'll just move right along. Here's another one. Pornography lies. Pornography doesn't hurt anyone. Here's one with our kids a lot, and of course, even with singles. Anything above the belt is okay. Friends with benefits. Some of you older parents don't understand that. We'll talk about that later. Friends with benefits is simply harmless. We're just friends. By the way, friends with benefits is simply this. You can have sexual relationships with all kinds of people. No ties, no commitments. You're just a friend. That's what friends with benefits means. Here's another one. We're both adults. And what we do doesn't harm anyone. Looking is okay as long as you don't touch. Masturbation, simply a physical act. Has no relationship to lust or my heart or my mind. Here's a big one. Many of the people outside this building believe this. God hates sex, and all his rules take the pleasure out of whatever pleasure there is. That's a huge lie. 
Today, Pastor Mark began teaching about God's plan and intent for sex and sexuality. You were reminded that because God invented sex, it's a good thing. You learned that the writer of Hebrews was trying to correct two modes of thinking about sex that were common at the time, both of which were extremes, no sex at all or all sex all the time. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will go on with his teaching sex inside and outside of marriage. He'll talk about how the Christ follower should regard sex. Pastor Mark will talk about the reasons people give to justify their premarital or extramarital sexual activities and what the Bible has to say in response. You'll discover that God and the Bible approve of sex. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a herd.